Bottom line, we have that much strength over four weeks in a persistent strength over four weeks. The returns three months and six months later are significantly better than the average returns. Now, near term, hey, you can have some pullback, and maybe we're starting to have that so far early this week. But it's really a sign that there's a lot of strength coming off of major lows. And that usually can be a sign, you know, again, three to six months out when we look back, we can be a little bit higher. From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm John Lynch. And I'm Ryan Dietrich. Hello, Ryan. Hey, John. How you doing today? I'm pretty well, thanks. How are you? Doing well. It's Super Bowl week. Markets are hanging in there. So all in all, yeah, I guess by the time people listen to this also, let's be honest, there might be Arctic cold across the globe. So down here, it's going to be colder in Fort Mill, South Carolina. But I know for our friends up north in the Midwest, it's going to be a rough week. Yeah, we get 20 degree mornings, but it's 40 degrees at lunchtime. So we that's can't right. complain. That's for sure. Now, uh, Super Bowl as an indicator, before we get into that, uh, you know, the highlights for today's call, we want to talk about how the market has bounced off bear market lows. And we want to make sure everyone understands fully our opinion that uh, if we're up 10% from the lows, that's great. But the next 10% is going to be the hard part. We want to make sure everybody's ready for that. Uh, we want to talk about the government shutdown, which was recently reopened. Uh, time of this taping, the government is opened as of today. Finally, we want to talk about the Federal Reserve, who's meeting this week, uh, certainly economic and market implications of uh, monetary policy going forward. But most important and perhaps most fun, I know you've done a lot of work relative to AFC champions or NFC champions as Super Bowl champions and how the market reacts. Why don't you share a little bit on that? Well, that's right, John. So, you know, this is better known, I guess we'll call it, as the Super Bowl indicator. We mm -hmm. actually wrote about it on our blog last week, lplresearch.com. Now, clearly, we don't want to invest money based on who wins the Super Bowl. Well, I mean, let's get that out there. But it's fun to talk about nonetheless. So, you know, John, what we did, we took a look at the, the AFC or the NFC wins. And when the AFC wins, stocks actually do a little bit worse. The S&P is up about 5.8% for the year, higher 63% of the time. Compare that to when the NFC wins. S&P is up over 10%, 10.2%, higher 79% of the time. So, yes, last year a lot of things didn't work. And sure enough, the Eagles won last year, and we had a first down year in a long time last year. So this <laughs> is not perfect. And, again, it's totally random. But it's kind of fun to point out, hey, NFC usually does a little bit better um, for stocks when the NFC wins. Okay, but our colleagues Barry Gilbert and Jeff Brookbinder up in Boston would certainly prefer – a uh, Boston victory, that's for sure. Well, you're right. And, you know, this is, I believe, what, the ninth time the Patriots made the Super Bowl. And this is the seventh time that Tom Brady's quarterbacked. But we just took a look at when Tom Brady's in the big game, in the Super Bowl. The S&P is actually down 3% for the year on average. Now, 02 was in there, 2008 was in there, and then last year, 2018. So three, bear, you know, three down years, still kind of a... I don't want to get too political. We try to avoid politics, right? Now, a lot of people you know, are kind of tired of the Patriots, we'll just say. So a fun little thing, if you're not a Patriots fan, you can point out, hey, when they're in the game, stocks don't always do so well. So we'll just see what happens. But good luck to, uh, to the Rams. I'm a Bengals fan. Andrew Whitworth left the Bengals, went out there, great left tackle. So I'm kind of, mm -hmm. kind of rooting for big wit. But either way, let's just hope we have a good, safe game and everyone has a good well, time. Rooting for the tackle. You are a, for a sports fan, that's for sure. <laughs> there you go. Well, it's just curious, though. Uh, I mean, the success... Belichick-Brady combination is unbelievable. I will point out, as a Giants fan, uh, Eli had uh, two great last-minute. Uh, and I guess they, I guess the Patriots have struggled with the NFC East, hmm. right? Because the, the Eagles beat them last year, and then Eli beat them twice yeah. on those uh, last-minute drives. So that's pretty exciting stuff. Well, either way, it'll be a fun game, and uh, we'll see whether or not historical patterns hold true. <laughs> that's right. Uh, regardless of the victor. Let's transition now more toward the market rally, right? Because, you know, investors are getting pretty excited. 
You know, we had the bear market low on Christmas Eve. Markets rallied about 10% or so from those gains. But, you know, I think it's really important, and Ryan and I, uh, when we're out meeting with investors, we've we've emphasized this quite a bit. You know, when the market broke what's known as its triple bottom in early December, call it the 2600 to 2620 range on the S&P 500. Once it broke through that, there was nothing to stop it, right? And it, we closed around 2350 on Christmas Eve, uh, which for the S&P 500, it technically wasn't a bear because it has to be a closing low. Intraday, they were below that. Right. On the uh, closing low, it was 19.8%, but we don't want to split hairs. It was a bear market. But we want to emphasize that it was a bear without a recession. That's right, John. And, you know, so 19.8%, if you just say, hey, that's close, that's maybe close enough. Good enough for government work. Exactly. (laughs) You know, we took a look. If you go back 40 years, if you look at non-recessionary bear markets, three of those four bottomed right about 20%. 1987, as people back, 34%. A little different environment where stocks were up 500% from the lows of 82, up 40% for the year in August. So, you know, the bottom line there is, as we noted at the time, you know, we wrote weekly market commentaries. We talked about it in the podcast and in the different ways we, we try to help our LPL advisors. Hey, if you don't think we're going into a recession, which we do not and did not at that time, down about 20%, yes, it can go a little lower. Believe me, on Christmas Eve, I mean, things were pretty scary. At the same time, it said, you know, this could be a potential bottom. And like you said, sure enough, stocks at bottom. John, something to think about coming off the Christmas Eve lows. S&P was up four weeks in a row, at least 1.5% every single time. That's very rare in history, and the last time we saw that was coming off the March 2009 lows and some other really significant lows. And the bottom line, we have that much strength over four weeks in a persistent strength over four weeks. The returns three months and six months later are significantly better than the average returns. Now, near term, hey, you can have some pullback, and maybe we're starting to have that so far early this week. But it's really a sign that there's a lot of strength coming off of major lows. And that usually can be a sign that, you know, again, three to six months out when we look back, we could be a little bit higher. Now, let's reiterate a couple things. Uh, Mm -hmm. So we agree it was a bear market without recession. We also have indicated with the work we've done uh, looking at the past, I guess we had 14 bear markets, seven were accompanied by recession, Mm -hmm. the other seven were bears without recession, and those typically fell, the bears without recession typically fell by 20%. Once we bottomed off that low over the next 12 months, I believe the return was something in the order of magnitude of double historical averages over the next 12 months. So if you're down 20, typically up 15, 16%, is that about right, Ryan? That is. You know, yeah, the bottom line there, again, is, you know, hey, if you're in a recession, it, things can get worse, right? And, I mean, we have recency bias. The last two recessions, what happened, stocks got cut in half. Not all bear markets, and even in a recession, have to go down that much. Right. At the same time, when you don't have a recession, you know, it's very rare to have markets, you know, drop much more than 25%. Yes, they did in 87, and there was maybe some other times, but usually things tend to bottom right about there. And that's sure enough where we did this time as well. And then there are other historical patterns that we've talked about in the past, whether it's year three of the presidential cycle, right? It tends yes, to be it positive. Yes, it does. Yeah. This, so this is year three. We'll call it the pre-election year. You know, on a total return basis, year three has not been negative, has not been negative for the year on the S&P on a total return basis since uh, World War II. Now, believe me, you could look back 2011, 2015, the last two times we had a, you know, the, the, the third year of the presidential cycle, stocks were just barely higher for the year and there's a lot of volatility. At the same time, 
still not negative. We haven't had a negative year three uh, for a very long time. So it's uh, something to be in the back of everyone's head, I guess, as we head into. And John, you know, maybe I'll spin back to you. Why do you think that is? Why is year three usually positive for stocks and the economy for that reason? Well, I think it was going to go right to my very next point. So you and I should take this show on the road, right? Uh, Because midterm elections typically see the sitting president losing about 30 seats. Uh, The current current administration lost 40 seats. And what history shown is that the sitting president who loses seats in the House is ready to deal because that president wants to get reelected. So that president reaches across the aisle. He's listened to what the people have said when the people have spoken, right? And they're ready to deal. And the market being the great discounter that it is, tends to bid up, uh, increase government spending, tax cuts, whatever the, whatever the policy mix is, reduce regulation, uh, the market tends to discount that. So typically, the sitting president, after having such a comeuppance with the midterm election, ready to deal, market discounts that, and uh, you typically have a positive positive year in the third year. Yeah. You know, so building on that, again, I love how you said markets are discounting mechanisms. Markets are more forward looking. You know, something happened last week, John, that maybe is a pretty significant for investors. We take a look at the S&P 500, how many stocks in the S&P 500 are making a 20-day high. Last week, we had 71% of stocks in the S&P 500 making a 20-day high. What's that mean to someone listening? That's the most we've seen since 2011. And then some major lows previous times before that. That's a blast of strength, a blast of buying pressure when that many stocks are making 20-day highs. And history would say, usually a pretty significant low has been made. Doesn't mean you can't go back down a little bit. We have some corrections, but was, you know, December 24th the lows? You know, we'll see, right? But when you have what we just had happen last week, that's a lot of strength, and it greatly increases the odds or the percentages that, you know, we might go down and retest it, but we likely won't break those uh, lows in December. Yeah, I think that's a good point because, you know, what we're learning now uh, over the course of the past three weeks or so is that hedge fund liquidation uh, in December was the worst month of the of the cycle. Right. So to what degree did those outflows on levered investments really accentuate the sell-off when everybody was concerned about a variety of things, right? It was a perfect storm of worries. Uh, that's one point. The second point is that when you see such technical momentum, you know, technical analysis uh, involves price and volume patterns, fundamental analysis would, would involve, you know, earnings and interest rate projections, things along those lines. But when you see that sort of technical momentum in the financial markets, the combination of that surge in momentum with 70% of stocks at a 20-day high, that tells us that this rally has conviction and that the market is increasingly comfortable with the fact that it was a bear without a recession. And consequently, we could move higher. And typically when you see next 12-month returns after 70% of stocks are at a 20-day high, if the average annual return for the S&P is approximately 8%, I believe these gains are closer to 14% when you see 70%. Not quite double, but almost there. It's it's rare. I mean, the thing is, again, it's just so rare. Late 2011, the last time we saw it. So that's... uh, you know, significant, pretty significant. I mean, the 200-day moving average is still up, you know, several percent away from where we are right now. The 26-20 level, like you said, mm-hmm. we're kind of flirting with it. Um, you know, we'd be, we'd be surprised, I think, given how, yes, it's been a really strong bounce off those lows. But again, technical analysis says, you know, previous resistance should be support. So now we're kind of flirting back up to that range. And maybe a little pullback could be perfectly normal. Let's not forget, now we're getting into Absolutely. seasonality. It's February can be a little troublesome month. I mean, we'll talk more 
more about that maybe as we get into it. But February can be a little bit of a dip, and maybe that could be perfectly normal for the market to catch its breath, and then we can go forward with Fed policy and the trade and the things we've been talking about and we'll continue to talk about. But sure. a little break isn't the end of the world. Here. Exactly. So, you know, history's shown that we don't see a V bottom, right? right? We typically have a W bottom. So those or a of, Charlie the, Brown the, shirt bottom. Those of, yeah, those it, of yeah. you on a treadmill right now or driving in a car, well, I can envision you making a V with your fingers or a W with your fingers to see how the market would how the market would perform. But uh, the seventy percent surge as well as the seventy percent of companies at a twenty day high, in addition to the fact that it was such an extraordinary month for hedge fund liquidation would suggest the possibility of a V has increased given what historical norms would suggest. But we still want to be make sure people are mindful of the possibility for a V bottom, uh, a W bottom rather. But also mm-hmm. keep in mind that, again, the, the, the 10% we just made is the easy 10%. The next stuff we have to focus on uh, really has to do with trade, government shutdown, uh, corporate profitability, clarity on Fed policy. There are a variety of those things that we think will come to fruition necessarily a solution on all those, but a path to resolution, the market's going to discount on that. So all those efficiencies will be important to achieve. Speaking of efficiencies, let's transition to government. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, given given the government shutdown, it was what, 35 days 35 or so? 35 days, S&P gained 10.3%. And historically, during government shutdowns, the market, the work we have done over the last 20 shutdowns, the market is essentially flat. The past five shutdowns, we were up maybe 300 basis points. Uh, But this time around, the government shutdown, again, also keep in mind, I don't believe the coverage has necessarily been uh, as descriptive as necessary. Because of the past 20 shutdowns, sometimes you've had full government shutdowns. This most recent was a 25% 25% government shutdown. So 800,000 workers did not get a paycheck, and that is not something to be dismissive about. The entire government wasn't shut down. So we have to make sure we are making distinctions when looking at historical trends. No, you're right, John. I mean, that's that's an excellent point. But again, we, we talked about it. Markets tend to take these in stride. And yes, you can have maybe a tenth, two tenths of GDP potentially weakness that quarter during a shutdown due to some confidence concerns and less government spending. Government spending is 10% of GDP. So you shut that down. There you go. Mm-hmm. But as we as we talked about before, it usually happens. You usually play catch up, right? Uh, the next quarter, two quarters later in the economic growth that happens. But once again, you know, this was the sixth straight time we've had a government shutdown and stocks were actually higher. So that's just um, that was a lot of other factors that happened those 35 days than just the government shutdown. But again, right. it really hammers home that markets can take in stride. And honestly, John, from what I'm seeing, I mean, the government's only open for three weeks, right? Exactly. We could be so right we back. Could be, we could be right back here again yeah. uh, dealing with these concerns. From now, we could be talking about this again. I think we should just keep in mind Let's hope that not. you know both both sides were digging their heels in on border security and a variety of other issues. I do think it's important though that you know a variety of things came. To end end this right, I was sitting mm-hmm. in a Newark Airport on on Friday morning, mid morning, and I was delayed for ninety minutes uh, with air traffic control. Right? Oh, really? And so wow. you have all these inconveniences where people start calling their congressman. Right? And I think beyond just me or any other traveler waiting for ninety minutes to take off is is pales in comparison to the exhaustion of an air traffic controller and what that means for public safety, right? So, and then you think about the one or two tenths of a percent you talked about to GDP hit. The White House Council of Economic Advisors did a study and said it was one tenth of one percent per week. Hmm. Okay. Which I think really got uh, legislators' attention because, you know, that's suddenly if people were looking for economic growth of up to three percent in the first quarter, that's 
maybe two percent, and that you know that hundred basis point hit to GDP is a significant impact to, to federal tax receipts also. So I think that may have gotten their attention as well. So a variety of issues, not not the least of which was the uh, government workers who lost paychecks and had to make adjustments. So uh, I think that the most curious thing of the work we have done of these past 20 government shutdowns, uh, the next 12-month return, once the government reopens, the S&P 500's up 12 or 13 percent, whereby the average return is approximately 8 percent. So it's very right. curious. Do we Can we assign causation or can we give attribution to the government being more efficient, or is it just a, a sigh of relief for investors, or how, what would, how would you view it? No, I think it's probably more of a sigh of relief, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, now again, a lot of these government shutdowns, as we noted, were one, two, three days. So really, over a couple of days, it's, I don't think that's too big a deal. But some of the right. longer ones, like the mid '90s in 2013, you know, I think they were most of a sigh of relief. Sigh of relief once we got things up and running again. I guess we'll say. Right. So whether we're looking at presidential election cycle, whether we're looking at government shutdown, whether we're looking at recover from bear market lows without recession or whether we're looking at uh, midterm election year drawdowns with recovery. The average drawdown mixed midterm election year, as we've discussed many times, is 16%. Mm-hmm. Uh, ensuing 12-month return is north of 30%. So we have a variety of historical data that would suggest uh, continued momentum for the markets and in 2019. And i chime in, John, on that. So obviously stocks were down last year. You go back to World War II, Stocks have been down two years in a row only twice, 73, 74, then 2000, 2001, 2002. 73, 74, is recession, obviously after the tech bubble of recession. So what I'm getting at, I mean, I guess compliance is listening, but it's factual. We've never had back-to-back down years without a recession. So if we don't have a recession again this year, along with those three or four stats you just mentioned, I think those are all positives for um, for equity investors and bulls here. Absolutely. And Jeff Bookbinder and I, as you know, in your absence last week, we, discuss, we discussed the importance of profitability, right, for investors to focus on record profits growing at historically average rates, yet discounting those profits near or below historical averages in interest rates. We think that's a positive for equities going forward. But let's close with mm-hmm. the Federal Reserve, because for us to achieve all that we just highlighted, whether we use fundamental data, with technical data, or historical data, obviously economic and market implications the Federal Reserve, the Fed meets this week, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, we, we certainly believe a pause uh, that refreshes will ensue. No, you're right, John. So they started hiking rates December 15. So we've had nine interest rate hikes over three years of interest rate hikes. You know, you look at the global economy, things are kind of slowing, obviously, a little bit. U.S. is still strong. Just last week, we had some better than expected manufacturing data, 50-year lows in claims. At the same time, though, it kind of makes sense, I think. You know, you talk about what got us in the trouble in the fourth quarter. This October 3rd, long way from neutral, was what Jerome Powell said. The market mm-hmm. thought that was, hey, more rate hikes. He said, we're going to do two more rate hikes. market didn't buy it when you look at the uh, Fed fund futures, what they were saying. I know in the show notes, we've got a good chart that describes what we're talking about here. So the market had a disconnect with the Fed. Right. That probably was a big part of what happened in the fourth quarter. Now we're much more flexible. I'm um, going to let the data come. And it seems like the Fed's come around. Call, the market's called the Fed's bluff, in essence. And right. it seems like people are agreeing. We'll see what happens Wednesday. But the Q&A Wednesday is obviously going to be a very big deal. You know, and uh, Powell caught a lot of abuse uh, from the media and investors. And, you know, I, I do sympathize with 
the position he's in. And I think that's why they did that um, mm-hmm. uh, staged show with Yellen and Bernanke a few weeks ago in Atlanta, right. just to kind of reiterate the innovative policy strategies that the Fed enacted during the financial crisis and unwinding those just to remind investors if there was a Yellen put, a Greenspan put, and a Bernanke put option to support the equity markets, Jerome Powell is saying there is no Powell put. So he had to make that clear. But when you look at whether the Fed funds rate relative to nominal GDP, which is real GDP plus inflation, or you look at just real interest rates, policy is still accommodative with real interest rates only maybe one quarter of one percent. Uh, that's the inflation-adjusted interest rate. So you take the Fed mm-hmm. funds rate of 2.5%, the upper bound, and you subtract the 2.25% core CPI print. You know, Real inflation is still accommodative at 25 right. base points. Historically, that number approaches 4%, if not exceeds 4%, before we slip into recession. So I think he just needed to deliver the message. He had to take a few bullets. Uh, but nonetheless, I think the Fed does need to recognize that, uh, again, part of the government shutdown we're missing a lot of data, mm-hmm. right? So right. we have once, you know, over the next few weeks, we'll catch up on some of the data that will help inform the Fed and help inform investors making decisions. But be mindful of the fact that while the Fed's official mandate, jobs and employment, they must be mindful of market stability. I think Powell is going to be less concerned about that, but they definitely, whether or not they want to admit it, have to be uh, mindful of currency stability, particularly mm-hmm. when you look at negative interest rates in much of the developed world in Japan and Europe, and then looking at low interest rates, where our, our interest rates relative to emerging market interest rates, when you think about food costs, energy costs, debt servicing costs in the emerging space, has to be very mindful of that gap between uh, U.S. and global rates doesn't widen too much. Mm-hmm. No, you're right, John. John, we've probably done... I don't know, 30, 40 hours of these, and you just said that the Fed dual mandate is jobs and employment. Obviously, mm-hmm. I think it's employment and inflation. Am I oh, employment and inflation, yes. <laughs> it's all right. Hey, we're almost done. I babble. Uh, the last, thing, <laughs> last thing, I know we're hitting the- I was right twice. Exactly. Like I said, we've done a lot. Of, first, I've probably said a bunch of stuff wrong. First time you've ever made a small mistake. Well, That's all right. You. So the, real fast, and I'll hand it back to you, John. So this week's weekly market commentary, we did talk a lot about these big themes we just touched on. Our stance here at LPL Research is this is probably, there's probably still another rate hike, maybe two more, but we still took a look. In this cycle, in this maybe cycle. not necessarily 2019, it, and that's good what point. investors need to look past. Good point. We think the cycle's going to last past 2019. Yeah, and we did some r- different research. If they take a pause, usually markets can do well. And even if this is the last hike, December was the last hike, a year after that, looking at previous last hikes, previous cycles, going back to the early 80s, stocks are actually up at 12%. So just because the Fed's taking a pause or maybe the last hike in the cycle, that doesn't mean you go right to a recession. It doesn't mean you go right to bear market. And this week's weekly market commentary kind of sums that up with some pretty good returns a year out. So a variety of data points today are, are suggesting the possibility for low double-digit returns, whether it's 70% of companies uh, at a 20-day high in the S&P 500, whether it's the rally off midterm election lows, whether it's the rally off bear markets uh, without recession, President presidential election cycle yes. year three. So there are a handful of data points historically that are suggesting that are lining up uh, quite nicely as we head into the midway point of the first quarter of 2019. And I'll sign off with this, John. Don't forget, if the Rams win, that's better for stocks, too. So go Rams. Okay, I'll absolutely. Sign it off with that. All right. We'll say, people, we'll, we'll say, there you go, John. Take we'll it away. We'll say go Rams for those of you who want a, a better performing stock market than that's the right. AFC. But hope everyone enjoys the game. Uh, it's our pleasure to share our ideas with you and our thoughts on the markets. And we'll look forward to being back here next week on the LPL Market Signals podcast. Thank you, everyone. Well, that's it for this episode. 
Join us next week when we'll continue to analyze and discuss market signals. Stay connected by following us on Twitter, at LPL, or at LPL Research. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. LPL Market Signals is presented and produced by LPL Financial. I'm John Lynch. And I'm Ryan Dietrich. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide or to construed as providing specific investment advice or recommendations for any individual security. Any economic forecast set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted, and there can be no guarantee the strategies promoted will be successful. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. Investing involves risks, including potential loss of principal. No investment strategy or risk management technique can guarantee return or eliminate risk in all market environments. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. This research material was prepared by LPL Financial, LLC. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA, and SIPC. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered independent investment advisor, please note that LPL Financial is not an affiliate of and makes no representation with respect to such entity. The investment products sold through LPL Financial are not insured deposits and are not FDIC, NCUA insured. These products are not bank credit union obligations and are not endorsed, recommended, or guaranteed by any bank, credit union, or any government agency. The value of this investment may fluctuate. The return on the investment is not guaranteed and loss of principal is possible.